What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? The defense closes it out over in Germany. Kansas City getting it done over the Miami Dolphins. 21 to 14 was that final four. We're here at the Kingdom Bar. Everyone turning it up, excited, ready to fight for the rights of party tonight. Absolutely, as the Chiefs are able to triumph over abroad across the pond. We got a lot going on in our post-game show. We're going to break it right down now as we kick this thing off. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN postgame show. Guten Tag for Chiefs fans as the Kansas City Chiefs survive 21-14 over the number two seed in the AFC, at least as of 10 minutes ago, the Miami Dolphins, big win overseas. Chiefs now roll into the bye week. They're now 7-2, and two. massive win for this team. What's up, everybody? Ken Swanson here with Craig Stout and Maddie Lane. Maddie Lane, ugly game for a large stretch of it, but one relative constant was the Kansas City Chief fence again taking down one of the most explosive offenses in the National Football League, slowing down Tyreek Hill, who averages only 7.8 yards uh, and a hit a fumble. Uh, big game for this defense. What What do you think? I mean, listen, it, it's difficult, but we have to we have to change our perspective over this Chiefs team. Um, it is a defensive first team. That's what they are. They they are going to win a bunch of low scoring, very tight games, and like there's no. We got to quit being nervous when the defense is put out there to win games, to get big stops on short fields, to close out games at the end. That's what this team is now. Like they, they are one hundred percent a defensive team, and I think this game is kind of like finally the one that proves it. You're going up against a team that most people are going to see as the most dangerous offense in all of the NFL. Steve Spagnuolo and this defense had them reeling from the get go, and I would say without even a good performance from the D line, I don't even think the defensive line was particularly good, and they still, for the large part, shut down. A, a Miami Dolphins offense that is, again, one of the best in the league. It, it's a defensive first team. That's what they are. And, like, I don't say that. I've been saying that as a knock for the first half this year. No, it's not It's not a knock anymore. It's That's just what they are. They are a defensive first team that is going to win a lot of games like this, but they've now proven they can do it against the most high-powered offense in the NFL. The Miami Dolphins had only been held underneath 300 net yards one time this season by the Philadelphia Eagles. They were held underneath that today by the Kansas City Chiefs. Everything seemed to be working, especially early on for the Chiefs there. They didn't allow a third down conversion until into the second half, and they were allowing 3.9 yards per play before that kind of, you know, end of the half drive where the Dolphins seemed to get things going until Trent McDuffie straight up stole Tyree Kill's lunch money <laughs> and was returned for a touchdown by Brian Cook, who was absolutely moving down the sidelines there ends up being the difference that was the game-winning score in this that this that defensive touchdown right there I am so proud that Steve Spagnolo is now getting so many of his flowers when he's been such an excellent defensive coordinator and then everybody watches him in the regular season just like ah uh, eh, he is what he is but when it comes to the playoffs he's going to turn it on this year is showing this is a defensive team and Steve Spagnolo is leading the charge as one of the best defenses in the entire NFL. 
both def- or both offenses are able to put together 14 points on the game. And yes, the game winning or the, the, the decider in this game is an incredible play and a very poetic play, I think, for most Chiefs fans. Uh, as Tyreek Hill gets thrown a bubble, Trent McDuffie flies in with incredible instincts, forces a fumble. Mike Edwards picks the ball up and has the foresight to toss it back to Brian Cook, who takes it all the way for a touchdown. And we can't take that for granted either because we don't know if the offense was going to be able to put another drive together because they didn't mm-hmm. after they that weren't. And they, they weren't. Uh, and I think the funny thing is, is look, if they if they get a field goal out of that possession, the Dolphins probably tie it at half, you know, with that last drive. So we're looking at a 17-17 game and we're not live right now celebrating a cheese victory. We are sweating out an overtime game. So uh, unbelievable performance from the Chief Fence. Just, I mean, so many, like the, the back seven, I, you're right. Like the pass rush was not existent. And to be fair, Tua gets the ball out of his hand at a remarkably fast rate. Like it's very difficult to 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 get to Tua. Um, now, the early down run success in the first half allowed them to create a little bit more pressure on Tua than typical because he had to play a true drop back game in these third and longs. But uh, the back seven, I think, was outstanding. I think Drew Tranquil was great today. Uh, that he's one of the guys I think you profile right off the top. He was outstanding. Uh, he had a he had a fantastic performance, but yeah, there's there's a lot of guys up and down up and down that defense that really had a strong game today, Maddie. Let's stay there with Drew Tranquil because I think people are gonna highlight some stuff or look, focus on some things there in the second half where it looked like he was a little bit late getting to certain things on the outside. But you're gonna look at what the Dolphins do on offense. Their entire game is motion and misdirection and stuff going every which way. And the one guy playing in the middle of the field for the defense is the person that has to respond to all of that. He has to go both directions. He's the one guy that actually has to parse out what's happening and react. And guess what? He was still doing it. Like, yeah, he wasn't getting out in front of every single play, but because he doesn't get the ability to just play one side of the field on a lot of this stuff. And he was still being excellent. He was still doing a great job taking away some of the shallow cross stuff, some of the slant stuff that the Dolphins like to get guys going on the move. He was the one getting out there to force runners to continue to bounce it outside so other guys could rally to it. Like, I think some people are going to find some plays in the second half to try to nitpick at what Drew Tranquil was able to do, but... I think you got to consider how difficult it is to play linebacker versus team. There's literally, there's an entire meme in the football world about how Kyle Shanahan and that coaching tree find linebackers, pack them over and over again. But this is what the Dolphins do. And Drew Tranquil wasn't having any of it. And he was making plays. I mean, he saved the game on that shovel pass. Like that was one of the best play designs I've ever seen in the first half on that. So good. (laughs) And if he, if Tranquil doesn't make this play, it's a touchdown. Right. And, he comes back and makes that play. That play design was amazing, but Drew Tranquil stops it, and now no one's going to talk about how awesome that play design was for the rest of the year because it got stopped for a one-yard gain. So just, I thought he played phenomenal. I just think we got a you know, round of applause because of how difficult it is to play a linebacker versus Dolphins team. Yeah, a lot is going to be made of the fact that they gave up 117 yards rushing at 5.6 yards per clip. 44 of those came at the end of the game when the Chiefs were in their dime defense. Light boxes inviting the run. And that was fine. It was absolutely fine. So you reduce that down all of a sudden. It, that looks a hell of a lot better. I, I want to go just back to what Kent was talking about with the back seven, though. This is one of Tua's longest time-to-throw games that he's had yet. He It was 2.51 seconds time-to-throw. His average for the season is 2.36 that's an extra quarter of a second. 
That's huge. That's massive. That's that's what was able to make the difference there. And it was because Steve Spagnola was doing such a good job playing physical at the line of scrimmage, disrupting the timing, taking away that first read, and forcing Tua to keep going into you know deeper into his reads. We talked about it in the pregame. You force him deeper into his reads, he becomes a pocket passer. He's not the same guy. He's just not as all at all because he's having to play within this system a little bit more, and he's not taking some of the easy mode layups that Mike McDaniel gets him. Those are still there. Those still happened throughout the course of the day, but Steve Spagnuolo did such a good job of minimizing the effect that those had on the game. I'm just, I, I was just so impressed by the game plan this week on defense. Kingdom Bar and Grill had an impressive breakfast spread tonight, and a lot of people showed up to uh, to watch this game early, celebrate. It was a great time. Let's head out to Kingdom Bar and Grill. BJ Kissel and Haley Lewis out there to, to cover this game as well. Oh yeah, we had we had a good morning over here. Good breakfast spread, some mimosas, some bloody berries, and uh, a Chiefs win. BJ, I didn't think it was going to happen there for a second at the end. It was a thoroughly great experience all the way around. I mean, as a Chiefs fan, to get up the way that it was, to start the way that it was, to have the big play that those guys just mentioned with uh, or Chad McDuffie taking it away. Uh, from Tyreek Dill and uh, Brian Cook and the whole deal. Like, it was just a, a great experience. And then I started to come back, so you got to feel that. You got to feel the tightness, got to get a little pressure. Uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful performance by the Chiefs and kind of fun to wake up and watch football that early. And it was nice having an extra hour of sleep, I will say, as well. But you were mentioning a few of those key moments. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start with the Rasheed Rice touchdown pass, uh, hauling that one in, and then also the first touchdown pass, of course, being called back but then being able to get it done and putting up 21 on the answer in the first half. Yeah, no, I think as much as the touchdown for Rasheed Rice can be the play that a lot of people remember, it's be at the highlights, his third down reception um, before the second touchdown, I think was one of the biggest plays in this game outside of obviously the, the defensive score. Because at that time, like we'd seen the, the Chiefs wide receivers, the young wide receivers, we've talked about it all week, who's going to step up and make plays. And Rasheed Rice has been that guy. We've talked about it um, ad nauseum for the last few weeks. And for a, he was third and five. For him to lay out and make that catch in that moment, going back and forth, knowing that regardless of how good the Chiefs' defense is going to be and how well they have been playing so far, they were going up against the most explosive offense in the NFL so far this season. And so for Rasheed Rice, for Rasheed Rice to make that play was a huge moment that I hope doesn't go unnoticed or undiscussed uh, throughout this week because that, to me, was one of those turns. It's always five or six plays that make the difference, and Rasheed Rice is that third down catch of one of them. He's stepping up, making a huge play, a second-year player making another huge play. On the defensive side of the ball, we got to talk about it. Trent McDuffie stripping the ball, and none other than Tyreek Hill, of course, getting it to Mike Edwards, another offseason addition, who pitches it back to Brian Cook, another person who came in just because the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill. There's a lot of irony in, in that trade and that play, but defense continuing to step up, and I think the guys were saying it, guys, the boys at home and Kit as well. We have to we have to be honest that this is a defensive team, yeah. and they showed it yet again with the defensive score in the first half. And you see it throughout, like we've seen it during, during the Super Bowl seasons, whether it's a stretch in the regular season or a stretch throughout the playoffs. You need to play complementary football. You have to be different kinds of teams in different ways, and so far we've done that. It's 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 any given Sunday in the NFL, <laughs> coming off the, the loss to the Broncos where everybody's doubting when you go up against one of the best teams in the AFC, a team that you may very well see again uh, for the right to go and play uh, in the Super Bowl or the uh, Arrowhead Invitational, as I believe Nick Wright has been calling it with five straight <laughs> AFC Championship games at Arrowhead Stadium. But yeah, I think, you know, it was it was a great performance all around. And you mentioned the second year guys. We've been talking about them all year. Uh, our analytics guy, Joseph Hefner, puts out the graphic every week. that The Chiefs are in the top five for snaps played 
for players on the rookie contracts. And again, talked about it last year, and that snaps the rookies were getting. Normally, you see that from teams that are struggling, that are young, that are developing, or just kind of trying to to get things going. Not a team that's got tied for the best record or the best record in the AFC. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. But what was beautiful about this game, Haley, was that there were moments where things could have turned for this team. Right. There were a handful of plays, and the ones that I wrote down, the the late hit that wasn't called on Patrick Mahomes out of bounds in the second half, uh, immediately on the next play leads to a fumble, and then a quick touchdown by the Dolphins. Chiefs didn't let that bother him, other than the fact that Chris Jones then, on third and 20, yeah, has one of the dumbest penalties that you will see. The fact that that didn't come back to haunt them, you know it led to a touchdown. And then, I know I talked about him all week, but Marquez Valdez-Galen had, had a chance to make a play on another could have been, I would say, questionable call. Very easily could have been called DPI, especially with the holding call that we saw on Tyreek earlier in that drive. But again, there were moments in which things could have gone against the Chiefs. They could have let it affect them, and they didn't. And that's what you see from, I would say, championship teams because this particular group hasn't won it. But that's the kind of thing that you see that will help you down the road is that even though with the hot start, the team started to come back, they maintained their composure. Even after Mahomes fumbled uh, to get their scoring started, they had these moments where they struggled could have affected them in the end of the game. I think we were talking about this maybe this past Monday after the loss in Denver. The Chiefs are notoriously known for coming back and, and doing what they need to do to rewrite the script. And I hate even saying the word script because now I going to think it's some NFL script I'm talking about. But, you know, right the wrong, right? Yeah. Uh, and you also mentioned it. Super Bowl caliber teams are able to get things done because they're the ones who can survive Super Bowl week. They can keep their head down. They can stay out of the media. They, they can be focused on the game. Do you think that played into today's win, the fact that the Chiefs have such a system? You were a part of it for quite some time, too. A traveling system, the way they were able to do things, um, the right coaching staff, everything is so regimented. Yeah. That's the best way to say it. And Yeah, I think so. I think I, you can't quantify it, but you can say they've been in these moments before. They know how to handle these moments. And it's that like that shot of adrenaline. They know how to how to overcome that and they know how to play through those mistakes and they know how not to to dwell it would be really easy after chris jones penalty for that to just kind of derail things and even on that final uh defensive stand for the chiefs where the dolphins picked up a couple key third downs with tyree kill on the outside on a little route where they were showing during the broadcast and communicating with tool and a little bit later hit him on a slant um on another opportunity where shows you the trust that spags has in trent mcduffie free to be in the slot and they're showing the, the stats and i know maddie and those guys would probably bring up uh, how how successful Tua was at throwing to the slot receivers, but the defensive stand the Chiefs had late, where it started on that first down. I think they were in the around the forty yard line on the Chiefs side. First down, Willie Gay comes up, make a yeah. tackle for loss for a loss of six yards. Turk Wharton comes back with the sack thanks to the pressure coming off the edge, where Spags continues to bring it. Which was a storyline in this game is how much pressure are they going to send? Are they going to go zero blitz with these guys on an island uh, with the speed they have on the outside? But when the defense had their backs against the wall late when they were driving. They needed to step up and make plays. Shout out to Willie Gay Jr., who's probably not at 100%. Came into this game banged up. And then again, Turk Wharton, the blitz coming off the edge. Everybody had a piece of this, and that's what championship teams do. That's what they have, and uh, this was a huge win for the Chiefs. Another they're going to feel good coming back on that long flight <laughs> and uh, going to the bye week uh, and be able to relax with minimum tied for the best record at the best record yeah it's perfect timing for the chiefs who were resilient and grit outlasting miami abroad in germany we're going to take a quick little break here we'll be back with more from kids and the boys at home breaking this one down thanks for listening to kc sports network make sure you download our new app find it on the app store or google play just search kc sports network
It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends at Manscaped have been working day and night to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, featuring the Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code KCSN. High tech for low places with Manscaped. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you look forward to the holidays? Maybe you struggle with the seasonal blues as days start to get colder and shorter here in Kansas City. And this time of year can be a lot and it's natural to feel some sadness or some anxiety about it. But I think something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all of the stress and change. Something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded, and to give you the tools to manage everything that's going on. It's a helpful learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries that empowers you to be the best version of yourself as well. And it isn't just for people who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash KCSN to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 21-14, Kansas City Chiefs beat the Miami Dolphins in Frankfurt. And we've, uh, yeah, look, I, I think... I think there's plenty to discuss about the offense. I just saw a Maddie Lane Matalytics stat that just got popped up. I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of frustrations about what the offense did specifically in the second half. Uh, I do also want to continue to reemphasize that the Miami Dolphins were the number two seed in the AFC heading into this game. So that's great. This is one of those games that you're just happy to win while acknowledging there's definitely some room to improve, especially offensively. Because Maddie Lane, according to the Matalytics, they had the Chiefs offense had 46 yards of net offense in the second half. Not great. I do want to start, and we'll get to the second half, but I think it is a tale of two halves. Let's start with some of the, the first half stuff. What we liked, what we saw, what was interesting. I think there's a stark difference. I think there's some, there's some, some tale of two half stuff I want to talk about a little bit here. 
Uh, but first half offense comes out firing, big first drive. They find a way to get another touchdown across the board in, this, in the first half as well. But I think it's also worth noting that in the first half, they had three straight possessions that only netted about 31 yards of total offense. Yeah. So it's not a, this was not a Chargers game where the offense was flying and then hit the halftime adjustments and then and then fell apart. The offense there was not two, fixed. <laughs> there was two really good drives. The opening drive, which was a perfect Andy Reid script. I mean, like the first the first drive, and I would say even into the second drive, there were some unfortunate plays that set them back. But you could tell the Andy Reid script for this game was excellent. He came out. He had them firing. He had the misdirection working. He was getting guys in the right spots. They drove right down the field, scored a touchdown. They come back on the second drive, and it looked like they were about to start moving the ball again, and then it just kind of stalled out. It was unfortunate that it happened that the screenplay got blown up, that a running play, you know, there was just some pressure that slipped through. Like, it was unfortunate, but everything looked fine through a couple drives, and then they kind of slogged it around for a while before, and this was, this was the best part of the game offensively. There in the second quarter, they went on a 95-yard touchdown drive where they were matriculating the ball down the field. BJ talked about it. The Rasheed Rice catch on diving catch on third down set them up for that. He also drew two holding penalties. Only one was accepted, I think, but drew two holding penalties on that drive. Like He helped make that go. Then you got another awesome Andy Reid designed play. They get the mesh route with McKinnon coming out of the backfield, right? And then he catches it, runs, scores a touchdown. You're feeling okay about the offense at the end of the first half. Not great, but you're feeling okay. You've seen... The beginning and the end of the second half, or first half was capped off by good drives. You were hoping to get better for the second half, and that that's kind of where it kind of where it fell apart, Greg. Yeah, it really did feel like it, we might get a, an awesome game script uh, to start this one. Like that first drive was terrific, and the ninety-five yard drive was good. Don't get me wrong; it just it, it was a lot more arduous than that first one. That first one felt like, oh, here we go. It's effortless again. This, this looks great. So it definitely felt like the first 15 were very much Andy Reid saying, okay, we're going to get in the A-plus bag. And then, as he likes to do against teams that he sees in January and February again, take the foot off the gas a little bit. Go maybe a little bit more vanilla, maybe change some stuff up a little bit. Certainly Vic Fangio did a terrific job taking away Travis Kelsey for the entire game, he was doubled and tripled, which is even more frustrating when your wide receivers don't get open when he's got that much focus put on him right now. But it was good to see the offense look good within the opening script here. So the the maybe silver lining that you can take from this one from an offensive perspective, once we get to January and February, the opening script, that's probably going to be the majority of the game. That's what Andy does. That's what he's best at. Unfortunately, there might be more of the middle of the game here, and especially in the second half there where Andy was really taking the foot off of the gas, really trying to do some stuff that was super vanilla, not really you know scheming guys open in the same way. So it was rough, rough, rough to watch. And oh yeah, yet another turnover deep in opponent territory ends up costing this team seven more points like it the offense just has to be better it has to look like that opening script more often because right now it's just really tough to watch before i get into the second half commentary the chiefs basically ran flood leak to the same side oh god <laughs> yeah. like yeah it was like what a sicko what a sicko andy reed is it was brilliant. It was a great. It was the, it was the play that Mark was Valdez skate league. Like, just think like that's just Sammy Watkins. 
in the Super Bowl versus the 49ers. I believe it was, I'm not saying the exact same play, but I believe they still ran leak into the same side as the majority of the other concepts on that one. Like, I don't think it was a backside play to Watkins. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was ridiculous, whatever, whatever it was. It was, it was impressive. So, all right. So here's one of the things that kind of caught my eye when I'm watching this game and we're, we're talking about this. Um, Rasheed Rice's last target was that diving out route. Mm. Nine minutes left in the second quarter was the last time Rasheed Rice touched a football. Uh, I think Sky Moore, no targets or, no, you know, no catches in the second half, if I remember correctly. You know, it was good to see them at Kadarius Tony, no catches in the second half. Um, I do think Andy Reid probably, you know, I think he sat on the football a little bit. And if we're, if we're being honest, if Mahomes doesn't fumble that football, you might, we might, and Chris Jones doesn't do the dumbest thing. Oh, man. We're going to go. We'll on. get into that one. We'll get into that one. We'll, don't, we'll, don't break. Oh, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Mm, I, mm, rant. Um, but yeah, I, I literally lost my train of thought a little bit there. But no, I, I, I think this, I think this, group of you know, skill players they got involved early in the game while Andy was running you know they had this they had the script going a little bit and they just fell off I mean a lot of guys just fell off and you know they had a hard time getting getting guys involved I mean no one had more than five targets either in this game like it was a very equal opportunity game for this team but also no one like no one was really a go-to and no one seemed to be getting open consistently in that second half. And I know the Dolphins were playing a very physical game. They're letting them get away with it a little bit. But yeah, that was that was just really rough to see, you know, as the as the early script wore off, you know, just the the fall off for some of the some of these guys with with their production. But I thought the NFL broadcast did a relatively good job of showing as many, you know, showing replays. We've had some issues with games this year where they haven't really shown any replays. Mm-hmm. I thought this NFL broadcast did a pretty good job of it. And, I mean, the biggest problem for the offense, honestly, was trying to pick up a tech stunt, trying to pick up a tackle and yeah. stunt, was absolutely destroying this team. The tackles and the guards are not on the same page with the protection calls. It was allowing pressure to get home, I don't want to say instantly, but pressure was getting home quickly enough that a Patrick Mahomes, who was already uncomfortable waiting behind this waiting behind this offensive line and especially throwing the ball with anticipation to these wide receivers... He was not. Pl- he wasn't uh, playing with a lot of anticipation. He was playing. I don't want to say bad because I thought he played really good up and kind of till that fumble point, maybe the final play. Yeah. But he he just wasn't playing. I don't know at his absolute best. He wasn't being a dangerous quarterback. I guess is the best way to phrase it. And these tackling stunts were absolutely killing them. There was nothing. He couldn't escape the pocket and go create. And from the pocket, he doesn't feel comfortable throwing with anticipation to any non Kelsey who was getting double and triple teamed. That said. The NFL broadcast did a really good job zooming out and showing, and Dan Orlovsky was all over it repeatedly, and he every time they showed it, he was right. Nobody's getting open. Nobody is getting open within the structure of the play. I know there's a long-going debate about how Mahomes is missing guys, and I'm not saying that there was never an open player anywhere, but I'm saying on a consistent basis, when they showed him drop back and they showed the field as he was starting to get pressured, guys weren't open. Half the time, guys aren't even getting out of their breaks because they're not the best of route runners. They don't have guys that get open and create separation quickly. There was just nowhere to throw the ball to. And I thought that the broadcast team did a pretty good job of highlighting it. I don't think that the offensive line did any favors, but and credit to the Dolphins for dialing up these long loops the Jets did. This is exactly what the Jets did to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. The exact same thing as what the Jets did. 
And it's just they really shut down on the Chiefs in the second half. The Chiefs had no answer for those stunts or for an answer how to get guys open. And I think a lot of that is not involving Tony, not involving Rasheed Rice, not involving the couple guys that were actually mm-hmm. making plays. They just disappeared, not only from targets, but all from the field half the time. There are way too many snaps with MVS, Justin Watson, and Sky Moore on the field and not Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony. And those are the only two guys that really showed you much of a pulse as receiving weapons besides Noah Gray. I, I shout out Noah Gray. Yeah. Do you, hey, do you think uh, you think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to run a couple games up front with that defensive line? Huh. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Oh. So uh, keep an eye out on that. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks here. I want to read a, a tweet from Shield Capadia here. Chiefs have played 103 games with Patrick Mahomes. Among that sample, today was 101st in offensive success rate. I've read this none, a lot. None of the Chiefs' nine games ranked top 50 for a Mahomes start this season. Offense is still better than most other teams, but nowhere close to the Chiefs' usual standard. And he even puts in here, supporting cast is an issue. It feels like it. Like, that. that's what we're talking yeah. about. When we, it feels arduous. It feels like they're behind the sticks. That's what success rate measures, is your ability to stay ahead of the sticks, convert these things on earlier downs, get yourself in advantageous positions, and they're just not. And it is embarrassing that this team with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback, has not even cracked their his own top 50 this season. I mean, it it really is scary here because we are, we're nine weeks in. Like, I know the bye week's coming here. You hope you fix some stuff, but we're nine weeks into the season with this Kansas City Chiefs offense. And unless they have a Spagsian turnaround, this is going to be, by and large, what this offense is going to be for most of the year. And... Is that enough? It is enough right now. They're seven and two, but how does that play once they get into the playoffs? They're having teams that unload the clip a little bit more. It remains to be seen if Andy Reid's play calling is going to make up for enough of that, or if this second half that we are seeing time and time again from this Chiefs offense is just who they are. All right, let's hear from Tucker D. Frankfurt. He's got a couple of uh, a couple of nuggets from Andy Reid's press conference. Is that right? Yes, I do. First one is from uh, Zach Kiefer. Uh, he Terry Kill was talking after the game. He says he feels like this is football's new rivalry about the Chiefs and the Dolphins. But that's what he said. What? Um, okay. Uh, listen. Don't okay, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. This is from our friend Charles Goldman. Uh, says there's no injuries to report, and that's the best news Good. with the uh, with the bye week coming up. So uh, injury report. Nobody, especially good since we saw the Jerry Sneak come out with what it looked like to be a called down concussion uh, test. Do you want to know how I know the Chiefs live rent free in Tyree Kill's head? <laughs> like, they played one time and it's a rivalry. A rivalry. It's a rivalry. I got another one, Camp. Maybe the Dolphins should beat a team above 500 before. Before they start I mean, talk about rivalries with good teams, are the Land Dolphins better than the Sea Dolphins? Some are saying. Some are saying. <laughs> uh, this one is from our pal Jordan Footy. Tweeted out Chiefs head coach Andy Reid on his decision to pass on the team's late third and one. "Quote: I probably should have put it in the hands of the big O line. I probably owe them one there." All right, can can I rant about this real quick? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, because <laughs> I got ta- I got takes too. So let's they go. Played a, they played a they had a one and a three tech I believe lined up on third and one. They aren't even pretending like the Chiefs are like the, the Dolphins aren't even lining up pretending like the Chiefs are going to QB sneak it. Like I, all the fears of the QB sneak, the big run, the big scrum, and all that stuff that wasn't even in play for this. 
Like literally Mahomes could fall forward, be touched lightly by a linebacker for a gain of a yard and a first down. Like it was like the perfect look to just fall forward and get a yard. Like the Dolphins weren't even honoring the idea that the Chiefs would run a quarterback sneak. And instead we get the play action boot, opposite field boot or opposite strength boot into the, you know, look, I think they had a guy open. Mahomes had to kind of rush, run away because Bradley Chubb made a good play. That's not the point. Like, all the fears of the quarterback sneak didn't even really exist on that play. Like, there's no, there's no, there's nobody to fall on his knees. There's nobody for Mahomes to land awkwardly on in that play. I just, it's, it's, uh, they better, okay. they get that look again in the, when it matters. When they get that look when it matters in the playoffs, like that might They're be not. the time that we actually see the Chiefs quarterback sneak it because. They they if if they see that again, like you've got you've got to do it. They saw it last week against the Broncos. They called a timeout, and the Broncos came out and fixed the alignment. They literally mm-hmm. just saw it in their previous game. They did the exact same thing. The mm-hmm. Broncos aligned with like two wide three checks, or maybe it was like a, a one and a three. But like there was nobody over the center. Mahomes was under center. They tried a hard count, then they came out and they called a timeout. They're not doing. It. I, I don't know what it is. They're not doing it right. I that's not gonna happen. So. Then it goes back to the play, and Andy Reid's like saying, "Get it the offensive line." I know it's real, real easy on third down to say like, "Hey, just run the ball, guys." Like they would have picked it up. Like that's fine. When they do that and they don't get it, we yell at them for taking the ball out of fifteen out of fifteen's hands. Like it's a lose lose situation when you're going to base it on the result. So then you have to go back to what the Chiefs have done. How many third and fourth and shorts have we seen the Chiefs pick up because Patrick Mahomes rolls out and throws a quick speed out to the flat or finds Kelsey running a little spot route just past the sticks as somebody speed outs under it? Countless. That's like one of their go-to fourth, their third and fourth down plays. It didn't work this time because Bradley Chubb made a great play and they sent 18 guys after Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. It stopped it. Like I get in hindsight one to run the ball, but the Chiefs have routinely called a play almost exactly like that and picked it up. Like I I don't think the play call there is egregious. I get much more upset when they try to do Kadarius Tony read options than I do mm-hmm. that play call. You're letting Patrick Mahomes make a decision and giving him multiple guys to throw to. Nobody was open in the defensive end, shut down the QB scramble. Like the, sometimes the defense just plays better and they played better on that play. And for like the entirety of the game than the chiefs did, I, I don't, I don't think that's the third down that I would really get up in arms about because we've seen the chiefs get stuffed way too many times running the ball. And we've seen them pick that play up, throwing the ball way too many times. Now I do want to say this two forty two left. You haven't been able to find anybody open. Like, nobody at all. There's nobody yeah, sure. you feel is a go-to. 2.42 left, you throw an incomplete pass. You stop the clock. Like, come on, man. Like, e- even if you're even if you lining up and you're going to you know run the ball, like, at least keep the clock moving. If you get stopped, now all of a sudden, that 2.42, you're either forcing the Dolphins to burn a timeout or you're running that down to where your punt hits the two-minute warning. And now... Instead of the two-minute warning happening a couple plays into the Miami Dolphins drive, your clock management gets you to the point where it's there. So that's why I lean on the, you know, leaning on Isaiah Pacheco a little bit more. Pacheco ran so hard today. Like, even for Pacheco's standards, he ran really hard today and was able to drag guys longer and get more out of these plays 
outside of Christian Wilkins blowing up a McCall Hardman play, like it, it really was one where the Chiefs were able to get a couple more yards out of a lot of the runs that they kind of dialed up there. So I would have been fine today with with leaning on that a little bit more, especially when you got a one tech and a three tech. Like they're not they're not stuff in the middle. Just line up and do the damn thing. And for whatever reason. They just didn't want to today. And I know the third and short discourse is what it is, but this one specifically to keep the clock running and with nobody open throughout the rest of the day, I would have handed this one off. I want to go from third and short to third and 20, which was the biggest moment in the game that kind of changed things and turned this into an interesting football game because, yeah, I know obviously we're going to have the, you know, a lot of people are going to argue about the the potential roughing or potential uh, unnecessary roughness on the sideline, you know, with Mahomes. I, iffy, it might have been, might not have been. The more I watch it, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to get too upset about it. I, did, I didn't have a problem with it personally. That was me, though. I don't, I know. I know in the moment, a lot of people will say third and 20, though. And Mahomes is going for gold. He's going out there. He's trying to hang on to the football to try to get something down the field. He literally has two guys, two guys wide open in the flats. Instead of working down, he holds on for dear life on a third and twenty, and fumbles the football. That was one of the, that was the big mistake that Mahomes made. And like, I think I think it's um, I think I actually think Mahomes has shown a lot of maturity this year. I think just with within dealing with this offense. Like I know some of the numbers don't look great. And I know, you know, the turnovers are up. And I mean the Chiefs lead the, the NFL in turnovers right now. Uh they're tied with the Browns. Mm-hmm. So I know that I know that there's you know, I know that there's a lot of mistakes being made. I think Mahomes has actually shown a lot of maturity trying to deal with nobody being open and all that stuff. That was a big mistake. Trying to go for gold on third and twenty and you know there was there wasn't anything there and stepping up and all this like he had two guys open in the flat you, you get ten you get fifteen like honestly if he throws to the first guy there might have been I think there might have even been a blocker there for him to maybe even you know throw short of the sticks and, and actually get to the line again that was a big mistake that we haven't really I mean that's not the that's not a that's not a mistake we see Mahomes make very often that was a pretty big one um, and. I mean that that's like I, we talked about Andy sitting on the football and managing that game a little bit. If that doesn't happen, I mean the the Dolphins had, had their struggles to try to generate a ton of offense, right? And so that that turned out to be a pretty big one. I had a, I had a problem with that with that particular play with what Mahomes did there. Uh, it's a little bit more gray area for me. Um, I think Pacheco was obviously open and the check down, but it's third and twenty versus a four-man rush. I don't think you need to be getting to the check down before any other receiver gets to their break. Um, like he's got the D tackle gets open and is coming right at him before the next shortest defender, who is also short of the sticks, is even just now entering his break on a comeback. Like you're getting to a check down versus a four-man rush on third and twenty before the shallowest real route is even getting out of their break is early for me. Uh, obviously, in hindsight, yeah. Like, once you know you're going to get sacked, do you want to dump it down instead of try to avoid the sack? Like, he tries to sidestep it and then still deliver a play. Like, yeah, at that point, for sure. But, like, he's having to make someone miss before the first real receiver even gets out of a break. Like, you don't anticipate being getting pressure that quickly to a four-man rush that you're already on to the check down. So, like, I don't know. It's great. It's just a gray area for me. Like, yeah, check it down instead of try to avoid the rush, especially go knowing that your defense is playing well. No situational football there. Take the 10-yard gain that's not getting a first down versus trying to go for the big one. But 
I don't know. Like the route concepts, no one's open. Again, no one's open by the time he's getting pressured. Like you're just now having somebody else short of the six enter a break when the defensive lineman now is unimpeded right to you right up the middle. It just wasn't a good look and he didn't handle it particularly well, but nobody's open besides the check down. Yeah. So that fumble occurs. We're getting into it now. That fumble oh, okay. occurs. Okay, time. Hey, yeah. hey, can we take a can we take a little break here before uh Let's take and let Tucker yeah. Franklin jump in real quick because he did have a comment real I would quick, love so. that. Yes. I, I would love can, to hear from Tucker. And we can go nuclear. <laughs> yeah, I did have I did have a little something for you guys. Looking I you know I'm monitoring the uh the press conference from Andy Reid. Uh and Patrick Holmes at the podium now. He said uh on the offense struggling quote, I think you could see it in spurts. It's just about being consistent on every drive. He also said about the Chiefs defense, it's got to be a top defense in the NFL. I don't know if anyone's going to question that after today. Yeah, it is. It is very much a top defense in the NFL. And they uh, yeah, they played well today. They got a short field off the fumble. Uh-huh. Yeah. It had the, 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 they had the Dolphins in their own third and 20. Mm-hmm. Then what happened, Craig? Well, I, I, I want to go back to right before, to what got them into that third and 20, because they did a fantastic job of kind of, you know, bucking up here when the Chiefs had a turnover. And we've seen that time and time again for this team. I know that the Denver Broncos game is very fresh in everybody's mind. It was not particularly good there. But this Chiefs defense under Spagnolo historically has been really bad that the moment that the offense gives up a turnover, they usually give up a scoring drive. And they have they have done such a better job of that this year. Get force a hold on first down there, setting it up into a first and twenty. Tua Tagovailoa doesn't have anywhere to go with the ball. <laughs> I know. Hey, listen, Tua doesn't have a ball, anywhere to go with the ball. <laughs> Leo Chanel. Can you you want to try that again? No, no I do not. not. I do not. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, catching it out of the corner of my eye. I was on something here. Leo Chanel. Forces a slide. It goes down technically as a sack for Leo Chanel there. Incomplete pass deep down the sideline to Tyreek Hill. And then they force a check down and they get to the ball with a 10-yard stop. And Chris Jones, after this 10-yard stop, decides that he is going to shove an offensive lineman well after the play. I don't know what was said. I don't care what was said. Man, you got to know where you are. And what just happened? That was a four-point swing. They turn around the very next play, run the ball, get a 13-yard touchdown to Raheem Mostert there on a play that they should have been that the Dolphins should have been kicking a field goal. Chris Jones has done this too often. Like I, I know we talk about him, and he talks about wanting to be a leader, owning mistakes, things like that. We see this way too often for a player that is an elite player that just retaliates retaliates in the worst moments at the worst times man keep your cool you know keep, keep it down a little bit there you got off the field after the offense turned the ball over and you turn around and you gift them a first down <laughs> on some dumb shit where you're pushing a player well after the ball has gone like i i was apoplectic after that happened there i i just couldn't believe it I mean, Ken, I know you got thoughts here. So, like, you, 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 you can drive your thoughts in uh, on the Chris Jones uh, penalty here that set up a Dolphins touchdown to pull them within one score. Are you gonna like be contrarian after I do all that? 
No, I mean, no, okay. It was a completely <laughs> fine penalty or a completely fine, well called penalty. Everybody should be mad about it. My my upsetness is less to do with the penalty and more to do with the fact that we spent all off season having to talk about this guy being the best defensive player in the NFL or one of the best, and then he came back and had a really good game in his first game back, and has been not so great since. And I get it; a lot of attention goes his way. I am not going to discount that a lot of double teams go his way, but guess what? That we've made everyone's made a big fuss about how the Chiefs are moving him around so he gets one-on-one opportunities. And guess what every other good defensive tackle does in the NFL? They see a lot of double teams, so on and so forth. And Chris Jones is just not showing up on a consistent basis right now. He just really isn't. And that part is equally as frustrating to me as him with this penalty. The penalty was dumber. Don't get me like, it was, it was incredibly stupid. And I think he was mad that he felt he got held it didn't happen, and he finally had a chance to make a play on the game for the first time in this game, and he did it because he thought he was held. I think that pissed him off. But like, he hasn't shown up and been particularly good. Not good. He's been good. He just hasn't been great. He hasn't been defensive player of the year worthy since the game against the Jaguars. And like, so why do we have to still pretend that that's who he is week in and week out? I don't know. That's my frustration. Not that he can't be. I'm not going to say next, not next week, but against the Eagles, he won't come out and be the best defensive player or the best player on the field. He just hasn't been even close to the best player on the field since the Jags game. So, like, I don't, I, and that's a more annoying to me than picking up a very stupid penalty. The other 59 plays that he was on the field and accomplished nothing are just as big of a stick in my craw as that stupid ass penalty. I, yeah, well, I would, you, you encapsulated a lot of my frustrations too, Matthew, because, uh, last three weeks have been not good for Chris. I think the effort's been like, here's the thing. The thing that was so exciting about Chris Jones last year and the reason Chris Jones was, you know, so it was my favorite year watching Chris Jones is the consistency down in, down out. The effort was consistent down in, down out. It didn't matter that he was playing 80 plays. He is standing up and giving up a lot more this year than he was the year prior. The effort has not been there. And when the sacks aren't coming, I think the frustration starts to kick in. Because he's financially incentivized to hit 10 sacks. And he out does he have one in the last three? Does he have one maybe? He might have one. I can't remember what it was. I just know that the inconsistencies that he's put together specifically, I think the last three weeks have not been good. And we're just talking, oh, well, he's double teamed. He's getting attention. That's, not, that's always been the case. He's always been able to exceed or to achieve regardless of the double teams. Because guess what? Three techs get double teamed. That's how the NF, that's how pass protection works. So this excuse that, oh, he's getting double teamed. No, he's always, that's always been the case. He always gets that kind of attention. He's always been capable of playing through it. And like, this is not a, this is not like the best week. I don't think to completely just like have this conversation because Tua is getting the ball out extremely quick. But down in, down out, down in, down out effort has been down. Disruption production has not been as great as it has been prior. He has not been a $30 million defensive tackle this year. And I don't, I don't, I, as, as we sit here at the halfway mark, I don't really want to pay him that. I want to pay him. I don't, I don't want to pay him. Yeah. And it's just like these little dumb mistakes that leaders on your football team are not supposed to make. Him making something so boneheaded nearly cost the team, nearly cost his team. It was unacceptable and compounded with some of the other stuff recently. I'm just quite frustrated with what we've seen out of him in the last few weeks. So, really, yeah, 
it really was disappointing to watch. And I mean, to to the credit of uh, uh, Primetime Rambo, he put it in the chat here. It's super chat. So th- thanks to him here. Tershawn Wharton's outplayed him the past two, three weeks. Like he really has. Tershawn Wharton has been making plays. I know that you're going to look at the stats and you're going to say, hey, Turk Wharton doesn't have some of the same stats. He's doing a lot more. Like he is, he is setting up, he is making life easier on linebackers. He is playing at a higher, more consistent level right now. And yeah, you know, if you're looking at this and you're like, hey, Chiefs are going to need a three-tech next year. Chiefs are going to need somebody, you know, to kind of come in if they move on from Chris Jones. Extending Turk Wharton and trying to add another three-tech may not be the worst-case scenario. Now, granted, there is still lots of games left. There are still eight games left in the playoffs here. Chris Jones is kind of a second-half guy, so he could show up take over games again. We know he's perfectly capable of it, but right now he's kind of getting outplayed by the other three tech that they use on this team. It's just frustrating, man. I just, I mean, and, and Turk Wharton was on the field, the possession after Chris Jones did the completely idiotic thing and got the personal foul penalty. So they took Chris off the field for the next possession, or at least the start of the next possession. So I don't know. That just, that just, that really set me off. But overall Chiefs defense plays fantastic ton of they deserve all their flowers i know we talked about at the top of the show just i mean great job is i think the back seven played great the back seven had a lot on their plate because of how quickly the ball gets out of his hands because of just the explosiveness and they really i mean they kept a lid on the two most explosive players tyree kill eight catches 62 yards 7.8 yards per catch the chiefs had seven receivers average more than that on the day i know it's a small sample size but still you get the point Jalen Waddle, three catches, only three catches, 42 yards. You know, that that's just, that's outstanding. I mean, Jeff Wilson had three catches for 32 yards. With his, like, <laughs> come on. Great job by the Chief Feds. Great job by the back, back seven. They had a lot on their plate. Great great game planning by Steve Spagnuolo. I'm sure we're going to get into all that because there was a lot of really positives on the defensive side of the ball. And the good news is, I will say, for the offensive side of the football, I know I'm talking a lot here. I'm sorry. But the good news for the offense is Andy Reid out of the bye is coming. So they've just got to the bye, and that's crucial for this team. This is the evaluation period. This is when they start ramping up. Some of the guys that they've seen have a lot of success when they start doing their self-evaluations. So I think you'll start seeing some of these guys get some stuff ramped up more in this bye week. Gives everybody a chance to break, get rest, all that stuff. Tucker D. Frankfurt wants to jump back in, though. Tucker D. Frankfurt, and the D stands for Deutschland. Okay. Um, got <laughs> that actually starts with D, though, Tucker. I don't know if you understand the well, myth that we're yeah. running. Well, I did start a bit too, so that's kind of. But I just shout out do what he wants. Corey, Corey Peter in the chat. Shout out Corey. Corey's Corey's been around for for a minute. He he came up with that one in the chat. But I gotta give a shout out. Uh, since you brought up the offense, I didn't want to interrupt your guys' defensive stuff. Uh, Travis Kelsey did surpass Tony Gonzalez for the most receiving mm. yards in Kansas City Chiefs history. He needed 14 yards coming into this game. He got three catches for 14 yards, so he was just able to surpass that. Uh, there you go. Good, awesome. Good job, Travis. All right, let's go Good to the toast game. Presented by Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, the absolute best delightful bourbon out there. Let's jump over back to Kingdom Bar. Haley Lewis, what you got? All right, guys, appreciate it. We're going to give you our toast games. I got my girl Michelle with me here today. We got some mimosas. I have to cheers to Trey McDuffie, of course. 
stripping the ball away from Tyreek Hill, able to give it to Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards handed back to Brian Cook. Perfect. Brian Cook taking it off. Yeah. I'm going to call it a flip, thick, thick. There it was. Like something like that. The line down. There we go. We yeah. are here. Cheers in after that game. Okay. Cheers out to the Kansas City fans. I mean, doing a shout out. Keep Miami News. Zero. Chiefs 21. Kansas City defense. I mean, they lend up none. Over and over every day. So when you go, when you go. Absolutely. Coming up big as always. Appreciate it. I will send it back to you. Hey, Who do you all about for your toast game? Harvey. Love flip six. That's got to, that's, we got to make that a thing. Uh, Craig Stout. Toast game. I, oh, all right. Man, I get to go second. Mm-hmm. Look at this. I love it. Yeah. Uh, my toast game is going to go to Willie Gay Jr. Willie had himself a hell of a day. Uh, was constantly around the ball, making lots of plays, forcing Tua to have to clutch the ball a couple of times, throw around him. He made life really difficult, but it was his you know, tackle for loss that he came up with a massive one on a run play on, you know, early or late in the game there on a drive that the Dolphins were deep in Chiefs territory. He did an awesome job creating a negative play, setting up a big play where the Chiefs were able to knock the Dolphins out of field goal range even further. He was phenomenal for large portions of this game. He was flying around like crazy. We talk about Willie Gay sometimes as that guy that, you know, has peaks and valleys at times. This was a super peak game for Willie Gay Jr. So, toast game to Willie. Maddie, what you got? Uh, I, we Everyone's talked a lot about Trent McDuffie, as we should. I'm going to go with uh, Legereus Sneed. Not only returning back from the concussion, and yeah, there's a couple holding penalties in there, but once again, I think Sneed kind of sets the tone versus opposing team's number one wide receivers. Even if he's not locking them up like he had earlier in the year, he's going out there and he's getting physical. He's making Tyreek Hill know, like, hey, you're going to get beat up in this game. You're going to get pushed around. You might get me from time to time. I might draw a couple flags, but this is going to be a difficult game for you. And then he also plays well on top of it, right? He also he wasn't getting beat left and right. We've seen games where he struggled a little bit more in coverage. That wasn't this one. He was at no point in time a problem. And he was kind of setting the tone for the coverage units. Like, I think everyone's toast game's got to go to the defensive side of the ball. And so I think Legereus needs a guy that we hadn't brought up yet. And I just think that he did a good job kind of providing a certain level of intensity for the rest of the team to follow. Legereus Need allowed one yard per target on the day. One yard per target. Exceptional job. Pretty good. Tucker, make you jump in here. As always, you look surprised. Uh, no, I'm not surprised. I'm just doing a lot of stuff back here. You know, long flight over there to Germany and, uh, <laughs> you know, the boys, the boys played red. I know there was a lot talked about, uh, you know, the travel and the Dolphins traveled out there, got out there a little early. The Chiefs, uh, you know, Maddie and I had a longer conversation about just like the, uh, the, the science behind traveling out there, staying on the same schedule, getting back. Chiefs head into the bye week, uh, after a tough physical game with the with an AFC opponent, where are you going with this? They don't have any injuries, so I got to raise left to good health, <laughs> and they get they get right. The health is good going into the bye week. Very happy for them to be uh, nearly fully strength. Richie James soon off the IR. Who knows? Uh, we'll see. Maybe they're getting another receiver back. Maybe that's their trade deadline acquisition. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, oh, good boy, let's let's, let's I, not start that, buddy. I, I, <laughs> 
I thought you were about to toast their sports science team for having a better double blast with the Dolphins or something along those lines. No, he just yanks it back and just says good hell at the end after talking about travel plans. To science. Here, here. Shout out, science. Let me toast Chiefs leading wide receiver or Chiefs leading pass catcher today. Noah Gray, three catches, 34 yards. No receiver over 34 for the day. Chiefs have nine receivers get 10 or more yards receiving today. Spreading the ball out. Shout out Noah Gray for some big catches today. And Sky Moore as well. We'll shout him out. 33 yards on the day. A couple big catches, big moments for him, getting his confidence back, hopefully. That was good to see. And that is it for the KCSN postgame show. Good morning or good afternoon now to everyone. Thank you all so much for watching, listening, supporting KC Sports Network. Only Weird, Be- Weird Games will be back in the afternoon tomorrow, and then we will be back, KC Laboratory, Monday night to talk more about this football game. That's going to do it for us here. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later. Early 2000 Raven vibes. <laughs>